Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's bow our heads together if you would. Lord Jesus, what a great honor it is for us to be able to call upon your precious, wonderful name. Lord, our bodies taken from the dust of the earth, and if we would go the way of the natural course of man, they will return again. But how grateful we are that something from heaven has touched our souls and has given us another birth from another world. Lord, I thank you tonight that you have loved us so much that you come to this wicked, dark, sinful place in order to redeem us. Thank you tonight, Father. I pray that you would help us as we look into your word. Father, may you break the bread of life. You know every need of every individual that's here. Help me, Lord, that I can get out of the way. Make me sensitive to the Holy Ghost, that I can follow your direction, Lord. If you'd pull me this way, that way, whichever, Lord, way that a need of a person would require, if it'd be five words, ten words, fifteen words, help me to be sensitive, Lord. Speak to us tonight, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask. Amen. God bless you, saints. You're happy to be in the house of the Lord. <laughs> Brother Bertie, what in the world are you doing here on Wednesday night, buddy? Good to see you. Ain't Brother Darrell preaching for you? So he's preaching for you so you could be here with us? <clears throat> There's only one thing wrong with that. I didn't know it. Or is that the way you planned it? Okay. I understand. Sometimes for a preacher to get a break, they got to slip in, not let anybody know they're there. Amen. Well, we certainly enjoyed Brother Homer being with us this past weekend. We were blessed. And, and, uh, <clears throat> Romans chapter 5, verse 3. We love the word of the Lord tonight. <clears throat> so appreciate his precious word. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Let's read this again. Not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Now, don't raise your hand, but I wonder how many of us do this consistently. Glory in tribulation. Now, we glory in revelation. Now, boy, we get a revelation of this and that and the other. Oh, my, we are just so elated and we are so mad goodness, we can't wait to share it with somebody. But how many of us glory in tribulation? Knowing, now this is why we can do it, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. So it exercises 
patience. It don't bring it. It works it and gives it bigger muscles. That's what it does. And patience, experience. And experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. I want to speak to you again tonight on the early church and tests and trials. Now, truly being apostolic, we think being baptized in Jesus' name, that's part of it. Praying for the sick, that's part of it. Casting out devils, that's part of it. Having our hearts restored to the original faith, that's part of it. But this also is apostolic. In that they were so tested and so tried that one of the true identifications of a real believer was the ability to be tested almost to the breaking point, And yet God would keep them. As I mentioned to you last Wednesday night, that there is not one scripture nor one speck of history that I've been able to find that a false prophet, a false pastor, a false teacher, a false evangelist was ever thrown in jail, thrown in prison, or beaten for the gospel in the first several hundred years that the word was introduced. Now, to them, it was a dividing line that the believers were so persecuted. They were so hated for the cause of Christ. Now, remember, this is not unusual to them because the Lord Jesus told them, you're going to be hated, you're going to be rejected, you're going to be despised of all people. They're going to hate you for my name's sake. They're going to think, they're going to try to kill you and think they're doing God a service. So when trouble like this began to come against the early church, now remember we focused for a couple of services on Paul and the extreme tribulation that Paul had, but now we move it beyond the apostolic realm and we move it down to the local lay folks to where it's not just the preachers that's going through trouble, but every child of God is going to be persecuted. Now, not persecuted because you're a meddler, not persecuted because you're a troublemaker, persecuted because you're preaching false doctrine or something like that, but persecuted for the very cause of the Lord Jesus. And we all know being identified as a child of God can be a very painful thing sometimes to our flesh. Now, let me go back in this word that we closed out with last Wednesday night, that our English word tribulation comes from the Latin word tribulum. In Paul's day, a tribulum was a heavy piece of timber with spikes in it used for threshing grain. The tribulum was drawn over the grain and it separated the wheat from the chaff. Now notice the chaff has served its purpose. The grain, you don't sow the grain and the first thing that comes out of the ground is the grain. That's not the way God does it. But God brings it through the blade, the stalk, the tassel, on up through those stages, and then it matures in the grain. 
And the very thing that was essential to give the grain its image becomes the very thing that hinders the grain from ripening and becoming what God wants it to be. Isn't it amazing? The very thing. So think of your soul. If God did not have a body of flesh to embody your soul, your gene which come from God in, where would it ever go? Come from the straight from the mind of God to go in where? Didn't come to go in this pulpit. It didn't come to go in this speaker, this tree, this organ. It had to have a body of flesh. In order for that attribute to come straight from the mind of God into a body of flesh. Isn't it amazing? That very body of flesh is the very thing that gets in your way once that soul has been quickened by the power of God that tries to hinder you from manifesting everything God wants you to be. And if it hadn't been for that body of flesh, there'd been no place for that soul to win into. So the very stages that God projects the soul into is the very thing that gets in your way. Then what does God do? God uses the tribulum. So the tribulum is, was a large piece of wood with spikes in it. So they would rake it over and over and over that chaff. And it now is coming to the spot to where the chaff is dried. And the chaff is no longer in use at all. And God is going to separate the seed from the chaff. So what does he use? Tribulation. Isn't it amazing that God does not separate the wheat from the chaff by deep studies of the word? Isn't it amazing that God doesn't use revelation but tribulation? Now, I know we love revelation. We love to emphasize revelation. But it's evident by many folks around the message that many of them had one revelation after another and come to find out wasn't even born again, didn't even have the Holy Ghost. There's preachers that have stood behind the pulpit and preached some tremendous things, but look at many of them where they are tonight. Wound up with somebody else's wife or a girlfriend on the side or into all kinds of isms and wasms and whatever more. And yet we thought, my goodness, what a deep preacher. What a great revelated man. And yet, you know what? That within itself also is not the point by which you know them. Jesus said, by their fruits ye shall know them. So it's not just how deep a man is or how deep he might be able to convince you that he is. It's the kind of life he lives when he gets done preaching that tells you a lot about that man. Well, come on, church. Say amen. So here Paul is pointing out to the apostolic church and of course knowing that the scripture is going to be read for countless generations thereafter that God actually uses these avenues and what I'm talking about this I mean from the preachers on down to the smallest church member in every assembly that tribulation worketh patience patience experience experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because of the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which has been given unto us. So Paul is giving to us a sequence by which the Spirit of God will cause us to grow and will bring in the final phase of preparing us either to leave this world by the channel of death or by the body change. And that is that the seed can be severed away from the flesh in order to bring the flesh subject. Now remember as long as you're here in this body it's going to aggravate 
hates you every day you live. Well, praise the Lord. And you've got a continual battle. I don't care what you do, how long you've been saved, how long you've got the Holy Ghost. Your flesh is the greatest enemy you got. That's right. It ain't your wife. It ain't your husband. It ain't your mama. It ain't me. But it's yourself. Well, praise the Lord. But it's amazing that as we go through tribulation, how that grace is brought to a stage of reflection in our lives that even the abundance of revelations doesn't do. Because we know that Paul said, I knew a man about 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. But he said, I knew such an one, and he was carried up into the third heavens. And he said, he heard and saw things that was not lawful for a man to utter. And he said, because of the abundance of the revelation that was given unto me a thorn in the flesh a messenger of Satan which was sent to buffet me lest at any time I should be exalted above measure. So we can see then by that that revelations do not automatically come with automatic humility. Revelations can come directly from the presence of God, but there must be something come with that that will keep us humble. Now, preachers that claim they got all these abundance of revelations and never have no thorns, well, if I was you, I'd stay clear of them. Because when God gives revelation to a man, God also accompanies revelations with tribulation and thorns in order to keep that man humble. Well, praise the Lord. Y'all going to preach with me tonight? Now notice, if a man like Paul would walk in such a state, we do believe Paul was born again, had the Holy Ghost, and a man that walked with God, and why did not the revelation keep him humble? Why did not the depths of the revelation keep him humble? But yet God knew it would take tribulation because we can see from Paul's writings that he still had this human element about himself that had the tendency to be exalted above his brothers. Now come on, don't look at me like you're what I'm talking about and every one of us every one of us are born with pride we're born with that old satanic nature which is pride that's right and it's of the devil it's not of God so God had to allow a thorn in the flesh in order to buffet this man in order to keep him humble. So it proves to us that revelations themselves will not do it. We know that knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifies. So God knows how to equip each of us. You know, you look at songwriters and singers that are really a tremendous blessing. And you look at many of the songs that they write and what kind of trials and difficulties they went through to bring those songs. And it's such a blessing to many people and yet they themselves might have been in the despair of life when they wrote it and yet out of that God brought such great treasure so we see that when God builds an individual that God makes them according to the way that pleases him and God knows how to send an element of tribulation and trouble and heartaches and anxiety and so on upon that individual that will keep them where God can keep on using what God wants to do is not elevate a preacher, a songwriter, a deacon, or whoever more, to where they get to thinking how great they are, how big they are, how important they are, but God wants to use them. Then he wants them to humble themselves and stay small the rest of their life so God can keep on using them, keep on using them. Now, y'all get quiet on me all already. 
Now you watch a lot of singers and you watch many of them singers, not only in our ranks, but also in others. And maybe they'll write a good song. Maybe they'll wind up writing 10 or 15 good songs. It's hard for many of them, once they do, to stay humble where God can keep on using. Then them songs, you'll notice them as they go on in time. The songs no longer have the same meaning. Now they're still writing them because they think they're a songwriter now. So they'll keep right on writing them, but yet the meaning is not the same. And the message is not the same. Now it may have scriptural terms. It may have message terms as we would say. And it's it's saying the truth, but somehow it's missing something. What's happened is that individuals got over into their cell and they're claiming these songs now as their own. So when you go to claiming songs or sermons as yours, God will let them be yours and he'll let you put them together from this point on. Because now you no longer need him. Well, praise the Lord. But the key is, if we can stay humble, that with every chord we play on the piano or the guitar or the organ or every song that we write, we give glory to God, credit to God. Every sermon that we preach, we give praise to God. If you preach one or 5,000, it don't make no difference. You realize it wasn't you know how. Is that right? Now, whenever that happens, then God has got an individual in his hands and they constantly are looking at themselves. And it's not this fake humility that many people say, well, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's just a nothing but a pack of lies. They don't believe that and they're not putting off that air about them. And you know it ain't the truth too. Well, come on, children. But if it's real humility, humility has a real spirit about it. Humility has a real nature and a humble person you've been around people you just love being around them and yet they were really great people but they never put off that air about them to make you feel small that's the way a lot of folks have got to do to make themselves great they've got to put you down and me down in order for them to make themselves big well that's a nobody in a bag of air That's right, but a real person is one that can make you feel bigger than they are. When in reality, you may not be, but you see, they don't have to toot their horn all the time. They don't have to make themselves look big all the time because they have confidence in what God has made them and they know that God don't need their help to make them bigger. Actually, God wants their help to make them smaller so they'll get out of the way and stay out of the way. So tribulation then works patience and patience experience. So as we grow in the grace of God and we go through troubles and tribulations, it actually helps us to get rid of the chaff that's around our lives. Now notice in verse four that Paul said, and patience experience. Now the word rendered uh, that we use for experience actually means trial or testing or thorough examination by which we ascertain the quality or the nature of a thing. So it's not just, well, you know, I had this experience with God and I had that experience. No, that's not the word at all. It has nothing to do with just your experiences and what you go through in that sense, but it is actually test after test, trial after trial. Your experiences are not by how much you jerk and shout and jump and we believe in all of that. But these experiences here are your trials, your tests, your tribulations that is raking your old hide over the coals. 
I mean, you've been raked over the threshing floor, back and forth and back and forth. And those are the experiences that make you a real son and daughter of God that proves you have a character which is worthy of heaven. Now notice we don't go to heaven because of anything we do. But those who are being molded into this image by trials and tests are reflecting the heavenly nature which is given to them by the new birth. Yet here they are. They were a cocoa in the soul, cocoa in the spirit, cocoa in the body. But the new birth came down, opened up the soul, took the old nature out and transmitted a wheat life down on the inside and then God sewed back up the cocoa that were on the outside. So here you are, a cocklebur seed wheat, predestinated gene seed of God, cocklebur, Reagan, Horn, Smith, Yance, or whatever you are, but on the inside it's the word, it's the attribute, it's God, amen, it's holy, it's pure, it's righteous, and on the outside you are carnal, you are sticky, and you're gonna have to keep that old thing subject to the word. Well, Brother Donnie, I can't control it. Get the Holy Ghost and it'll help you control that old flesh. Oh my. Woo, praise the Lord. Patience experience. Oh, praise the Lord Jesus. So tribulation then exercises this experience that we have with God. So it exercises and increases more patience. So patience being exercised and increased, it enlarges the volume of the saints or the amount of the experience that they have in the love of God. Now, again, I find this amazing that Paul never said that it was deep mysteries and it was great understandings of the seals or the thunders or you know the parousia of God and all these great things that we have emphasized for years and years around the message and yet we realize many of the folks who did that missed the very simplicity of the gospel but remember this is apostolic my friends this is what the original church taught and this is what they believed well if that was the alpha bride and we're the Omega bride and we think we don't need it, we're missing something. Well, praise the God, the living God. What does he do? He will actually through our frailty and our human weakness, he will actually abound more unto the grace of God. Now it makes no sense, but this is why Paul said, I will rejoice. I will rejoice because when I am weak, then I am strong. Now watch, he's talking about two people. When I am weak, when I am weak, then I am strong. Now you can't be both at the same time, but two people can be that at the same time. So your new birth, when the outside is getting weaker, the new birth, the Holy Ghost on the inside said, go ahead, boy, get weak. Go ahead, say you can't do it. Go ahead, admit you are not up to this. You cannot meet this challenge. And the weaker you get, the stronger I get in my soul. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Oh, wouldn't this be awesome? You're just sitting here tonight and all of a sudden a revelation from God just drops in your heart. Instant character. Instant humility. It's just a revelation. It's just bam. 
Just a serpent seed or the Godhead or water baptism and you're just sitting there all of a sudden you're just proud, arrogant, puffed up thing and it's just, whoo! You just walk out, praise God. Whoa! Wow, what happened to him? What happened to her? Man, I mean, I've known her all my life. She ain't never been like that. That ain't the way it comes. It's raking after raking after raking after raking after raking after. after. Sometimes it's Reagan raking. Hey, you ain't the only ones getting Reagan. What's amazing is when Reagan rakes Reagan. Now, tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. So, hope is a gift of God's grace. Now, don't focus now just on faith's little weak sister. Because here, Paul is not putting hope in the status of weakness. Tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, and experience hope. He would not put hope at the end of this. If this hope, this reflection of hope was such a weak thing that she could do you no good. Oh boy, I got some of you thinking now. But actually hope is a gift from God. Now you know as well as I know that sometimes you cannot have faith even for people you're praying for. Because they've let you down and they've disappointed you so much and they have done so much and you just get to a spot, you just, just be honest, you absolutely struggle and trying to have faith for them. And that's when hope will step up and say, well, if you can't believe, I'm going to hope they can be saved. I'm going to hope they can come through. Look, friend, we need hope. Don't despise hope. Hope is a great thing. Faith is a revelation of the will of God. Now, notice how one exercises and leads into the other. And the more that we grow by being raked by the tribulum, the more the grace of God is able to produce in our life. Notice Paul said, and hope maketh not ashamed. Look at this word hope. It is ellipsis, expectation of good, joyful, and confident. Don't tell me we don't need hope in this hour. I'll tell you one thing, we have a hard time being happy in this life because there's so much going on. If it ain't going on in your house, it's in your daughter's house or your son's house. If you're a pastor, it's in all these people's houses. You got sickness, you got surgery, you got trouble, you got financial burdens, you got children, you got grandchildren, you got headaches, you got backaches, you got rheumatism. Come on, saints. It is hard in the age we're living to find saints of God that can maintain a day-to-day level of good old-fashioned joy. Just be happy in the Holy Ghost. We go around like this. And then you witness to your children. Don't y'all want what mama's got? Don't you want what daddy's got? I doubt that they do. Expectation of good. Expectation of good. Joyful and confident expectation of eternal salvation. Brother, sister, there ain't a thing wrong with this hope right here. 
We need it, Brother Jim, every day of our lives. Notice the meaning again, expectation of good. But my goodness, we find ourselves under such distress. If we're not careful, we're expecting bad every day. Every phone call, every text, every saying, oh my, I wonder what it is now. Oh no, what's happened now? Oh no. And if you're not careful, the expectation of good is being replaced by the expectation of bad news. Expectation of evil or sorrow. Oh, I wish somebody would preach with me. I really believe we could have a good service if I had some cooperation. Ooh, Brother Birdie, y'all have an advantage over us white folks. Them black folks get with a preacher. These white folks just sit and look at you. Notice, so hope like this is of such a nature. This kind of hope never fails. Praise God. David said he loadeth me daily with benefits. Oh, man. But some of y'all, I mean, your expectation is, I mean, this is gigantic compared to some of you. Oh, oh, Jesus. Lord, I brought this. And my, this is, my, my faith is humongous tonight. Look. Oh, God. You, you, Lord, if you can fill that up, I mean, you're, you're a mighty God. Oh, shame on us. Shame on us for bringing anything less than at least something as big as this church. Times five. And we're the queen of heaven. We are the children of God and David in the Old Testament. All I can say is it's a good thing that David was born in the Old Testament instead of the New. If David had been born in the New Testament full of the Holy Ghost and a member of Happy Valley, the deacons would have had a special booth called the David booth. It would have been totally enclosed in glass and soundproof stuff. And David would still be shouting and running and screaming. And y'all say, well, there goes David again. If David without the Holy Ghost said, he loads me daily with benefit. What would he do if he ever got born again and got justified and sanctified? Oh my, then Paul says, by the love of God, which is shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. And this is not you loving God. This is God loving you. You see, friends, this is where a lot of our problems come in. It's us letting our faith, our joy, be our hope be generated by how we feel. By our days, by our stock report, or by our financial status, instead of tapping into, but Brother Donnie, you don't know what I'm going through. Neither did Paul. But if this scripture does not cover everything you're going through, or everything you ever will go through, I say we quit serving God. If this word does not cover every church of the Lord Jesus Christ right down to the end time, we might as well walk out of here and say, I'll not serve a God that cannot keep me to the end of the way. Yeah. 
Here you go, Jesus. Brother Bram said, can you imagine a little mouse in the granaries of Egypt saying, I better eat this very, very sparingly. I'm in amongst this thousands of bushels of all this grain, but I better be very careful. I'm not overdo it. I, I'm going to put myself on a diet. A lot of us are on a spiritual diet. We're afraid to be too much, you know, to express too much joy today. We're afraid the devil will see us and he'll really jump on our backs so we go around like this. So. Kind of fake the devil out. Uh-uh, he's faking you out. He's robbing you. Peter said, casting all. And the word casting means throwing off. Casting all your care on him. For he cares for you. Brother Donnie, it's hard. I know it's hard. But do we believe the word or not? Well, praise the Lord. Notice Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. And whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. Not faith in him. But by the faith of him. My faith gets weak. Yours does. But his faith don't. If you find yourself weak tonight, you need to shift gears. You need to shift out of your face into his face. Lord, I can't do it. Lord, I need your help. So I've been waiting here now for six months to tell me. And I, here I am. What do you need? Tell me what you need. Notice Paul said, wherefore I desire that you faint not. At my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Now imagine, friend, we're talking about the first century here where people are being beheaded. People are being drugged behind wild horses. They're being put to the rack. Their arms pulled off. Their legs pulled off from the torso. They're being afflicted. They're being tormented. Oh my. And it would come and we know that the tribulation would come and it would ease up and it would come and it would ease up. And yet they're going through horrific things. And Paul said, I know, I know that through these things that are going on, it's so easy to become faint. And the word faint means to become a coward. Oh my. But he said, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you. Now look, he's not even going through these just himself, for himself, but for the saints of God. So this man was a man of many tribulations, a man of many afflictions, a man of many anxieties and sorrows. And Paul was worried that the saints, oh, you're talking about going to the house of God. Now look, most of you have never been to the spot to where if you come to the house of God that you could be arrested. Any of y'all ever been in that situation? Well, I have. In China. Scary. It's very scary. Brother Bisco arrested. You remember the story several years ago? Brother Bisco arrested and they were looking for me. 
Brother Biscoe had my schedule in his briefcase and he tore it to pieces and ate it. So they wouldn't know where I was. So we kept going from one place to another preaching. They was looking for me. They thought I was a Canadian. Boy, I'm glad I'm an American. <laughs> so they come back and said, hey, is this Reagan? Is he a Canadian? He said, no, he's an American. So I was having a service in a hotel room. I'm preaching. A woman rolls. They roll her in in a wheelchair. Glory to God. While I'm preaching, everybody, including me, dead silence. So I said, Brother Murphy, open the door. I mean, if they're going to arrest us, they're going to arrest us. He goes to the door, opens the door. False alarm. It was the maid. She wanted to turn down the bed. Now, you're going to ask me if my my fear raised up? I'm going to be honest with you and tell you, yes, it did. Oh, it wouldn't bother me. It's easy for you to say. You're sitting here in Tennessee. You wasn't there in China. Now, what is it about it? It's the fear of human beings. And Paul said, look, I don't want you all to get to the spot to where you become so faint-hearted and you're afraid. You're afraid. Oh, you want to know about that woman, didn't you? Well, we resumed service. At the end of the service, they rolled her up. But she rolled her wheelchair back. That's my God, brother, sister. But you see, in the midst of fear, fear can grab a hold of our hearts. Oh, 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 oh what's the press going to be? What are they going to do? Oh, my, this, this, this is going to shut the church down. We can spend all of our time looking up in the sky for black helicopters. And we can look on every website that has all these conspiracy theory ideas. Oh, we can keep our heads in the word. We can keep our heads in the word and be ready for the rapture. Paul didn't say study the conspiracy theory, but study the word to show yourself approved. Hallelujah. We can spend all of our time. Well, the devil's going to do this and the devil's going to do that. Or we can spend our time saying, but God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And God's going to bring me to a joyful end. He said so. Oh my, you imagine, Brother Terry, in the sense of the human part, it would have been very easy to fall away because of persecution. There in China, whenever we were there, we left a certain motel. I told Brother Murphy, we're supposed to be at a certain, certain place. Somebody does. I said, Brother Murphy, I feel for us to move. He said, whatever you say. I said, we need, we need, we need to move. We need to go to this certain, certain place. I said, all right. We loaded up. Whenever we pulled out, somebody pulled out behind us in a motorcycle, followed us all the way to the new location, got out, come in, watched us. Now, let me just tell you what I thought, okay? I thought, I wonder how many saints at Happy Valley would still come to church if they were followed to church. You see, in China, when you have a house meeting or an apartment meeting, and the people next door can hear you singing, praying, preaching, whatever more, they reward them and give them a reward 
for turning you in. How many of us would still go to church? Some folks don't even come the way it is. A little headache deters them or a little picnic or a little visit to Walmart. They don't go. Can you imagine living under persecution? But it ain't no wonder God does so many miracles among them. You know why? They believe God. And they're willing to sacrifice to come to the house of God. We get a little backache, a little headache, this, other. Well, I don't believe we'll go tonight. I believe we'll just stream. And I hope you won't be having to stream the marriage supper of the Lamb. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now you imagine when Paul writes this letter to the Ephesian church, you know where he is? He's not in Cappadocia. He's not somewhere having a great healing campaign. He's in a Roman prison. So here is a man in prison writing to others to not be discouraged. Thank God for such men. I said, thank God. I don't mind telling you, friends, I can't wait to see Paul myself. As I mentioned to you before, some of the message people, they don't want to see Peter, James. They don't want to see nobody. All they want to see, Brother Branham, well, you're going to miss a whole lot in heaven. I'm telling you that right now. It was natural that they should be distressed. It is natural for us to feel fear. It is natural for us to feel anxiety. It is supernatural to override that fear. It is supernatural to override. It is supernatural to look at our troubles and say somehow, I don't know how, but I believe my God's going to bring me through it. How do you know he's going to do it? He was faithful yesterday. And he was faithful the day before. And he was faithful the day before. If he'd done that, he will bring me through this. I don't know how. I've never been where I'm at today, but I know he will help me. Notice this, wherefore I desire that you faint not. The word faint means literally to turn out to be a coward or to lose one's courage. Don't, don't faint, but I want you to know the reason I'm going through this, he said, is for your glory. It's actually going to help you. But they're thinking, what, what will we do? What will we do if they kill him? What will we do if God, what, what will we do? I don't, I don't know. He said, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. No, it's for your glory. Notice 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 4. So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God. For your patience and faith in all your persecutions. Wow, isn't it amazing? Again, he didn't write him and say, hey, I hear y'all are so deep and I hear you all. Your dresses are just exactly the right length. And boy, I'm telling you what, your music is right this. And all of those things are important now. But notice what he captions He is so proud of these people in Christ Jesus that he gloried. He gloried in the churches, which is the church of Perea, Philippi rather, and Berea, and all these churches. He said, it's among the whole church of the living God. I glory. He did not glory in flesh. He gloried in the success of the power of the new birth, able to keep people through such things that should have destroyed them. But instead of destroying them, it was separating the wheat from the chaff. 
Praise God. Isn't it amazing? Except y'all got some of the prettiest houses I've ever seen in my life. Why y'all's cars is the nicest cars of anybody in the message? Why your church is so nice and that piano, man, I'll tell you what, ain't that a pretty piano now? What do you think about them trees over there? Ain't that something? Now, what you think about that organ? Ain't that a nice organ? I'll tell you what, y'all have got the nicest guitar. Wow, y'all are dressed nice and y'all really look nice. The parking lot is really paved, striped up really good. Got a really nice library in there. I'll tell you one thing. I believe y'all will have a good makings of a church here. But instead, he praises their patience in their tribulation. It'd be easier to brag about our clothes sometimes than it would our patience and our tribulation. I glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Notice, oh my. Not just by yourself now, so get this out of your mind. Poor little me. I'm the only one. He said, no, everywhere the truth is preached, they're going through similar things. For your patience and faith and all all this that you're going through, and you are enduring it like heroes. You're not just putting up and, oh, if I can get this done, oh, just let me out of here. Let me out of here. That's not New Testament patience. Praise God. They weren't shocked. They weren't just devastated to the end. Oh, I don't know what in the world's going on. He said, y'all are taking it like real little Jesuses. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Your patience, patience in the New Testament does not mean a meek submissiveness, but a heroic endurance. Praise God. Notice in verse 5, which is a manifest token. I love these words. Manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, what in the world has their test got to do with the righteous judgment of God? Do you understand God allowing you to be tested in this life proves there is a white throne judgment? God can allow you to be tested and tried now. It is a testimony there is a white throne judgment coming. You're being purged right now through your purgatory. Praise God for that. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God which also ye suffer. So enduring trials did not make one worthy, but enduring the trials is a reflection that you have been changed and a deposit of heaven has been given into you to empower you above what human capacity should stand. There's no way, Brother Terry, we should be able to stand what we do in this day without a deposit from the supernatural God. People ask me all the time, Brother Donnie, how do you go through what you go? No doubt they do, Brother Birdie, the same way. Brother, how in the world do you take what you do? And sometimes we think ourselves, how in the world do I keep from going stark raving mad? Well, I'll tell you how I do. The grace of God. 
It ain't because I'm a Reagan. It ain't because I've got big broad shoulders. I ain't got big broad shoulders. It's because of the deposit of Almighty God in my soul. How do you mothers, how do you fathers go through what you go through and come out on the other side of it and hold your head up as a child of God? I'll tell you how you do it. You do it by that worthy life of the Lord God Almighty. He's proving himself in you daily. Some of you feel like you've done nothing for the kingdom of God. Some of you've never cast out devils. Some of you've never spoken tongues or prophesied or interpreted. And you feel like you've never done anything for God. God is moving in your life daily by troubles and tests and trials. And you are displaying a heaven more glory to God. A heaven born nature by overcoming what you overcome all around you. Praise be to God. The word rendered manifest token occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It means an indication, a token, proof, anything that shows or points out or to show. So you imagine God didn't again use great, excuse me, great revelations and great depths of such mysteries that nobody even understood. But Paul said one of the manifest tokens of God in your life is that you're able to endure the things you go through for the cause of Christ. Come on, this is the token on display. Praise God. You believe our United States of America is justified in making laws, certain laws, against the law to take a gun, kill a man? Against the law to take a gun and kill a woman, a baby, a child, or whatever more, right? And they are just then in bringing punishment to that. And people say God's unjust when he will judge people. Notice Jesus says in Matthew 5, 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now watch how he identifies. This is the master himself. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So he's identifying persecution for righteousness as a down payment or a deposit of the kingdom of heaven in your soul. Again, the Lord Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those great theologians. Blessed are those who can quote the word without missing one word. Blessed are those who argue. Blessed are those who debate doctrinal issues. Blessed are they that are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not possibly, but is. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Do you feel blessed when that happens? No. Really? I don't either. Isn't that strange? We need a revelation. Come on, now be honest. You need a revelation of this? How many wants to be able to recognize that you're blessed when this happens? I got both mine up. But he said, oh God, how come me? Lord, why me? How come my God goes through that? I don't understand. He said, praise God, I'm so blessed. 
But if you sisters get an upgrade from an eighth of a carrot to a quarter carrot, you come in church. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You trade up cars and say, park right up there. You used to park your old jalopy up here on top of the hill, but now you want to park it down there. Set turtle church starts, you think. Oh, brother, pray. Boy, the Lord must be blessing you. Yeah, my converter business is really doing good. We go through tests and trials, and we come in and sit like this. They say, that's how I praise the Lord. I ain't got nothing to praise him about. Somebody called my name on Facebook. Somebody lied on me. Somebody done this and that. No, I'm thinking about quitting. Jesus said, rejoice. Leap for joy. You're blessed. But we identify blessings with Cadillacs, BMWs, Mercedes, and Land Rovers, and all that sort of thing. Man, I'm so blessed. I'll tell you what, I'm so blessed. I ain't even got time to go to church anymore. I've got work three jobs, and man, I've got overtime, and oh, I'll tell you what, we're rolling it in. I ain't been church in about six weeks, but boy, I'm so blessed. I don't think you're blessed. I believe you're cursed. Oh, my. Well, thank you, Jesus. Verse 12, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. Notice the identification now of persecution. Oh, he said, but Brother Donnie, I'm just a housewife. I'm just a husband. But you're persecuted at your work. Some of you are persecuted in your family. Persecuted by siblings. Some of you persecuted by parents or grandparents because of the cause of Christ. Jesus said, rejoice. It's your identification in heaven. Again, he doesn't go on the avenue of mysteries. It doesn't go on the avenue of all these great deep things that nobody can't even understand but being persecuted for the cause of Christ. Great is your reward in heaven. Having nothing to do with casting out devils. Now notice, a great reward in heaven is not just preachers, but people who identified. Some of you that take it from your husband or some of you husbands that are persecuted from your wives or the people you work with. Do you understand how God looks at that? They look at you at Walmart with your long hair and your long skirt and they say, well, that's the skirt church. I'd rather us be called the skirt church than the pant church. Or the mini skirt church. Now that's bad deal right there, brother. That's tribulation stuff right there. So let them call us long hair church, skirt church. Let them call us whatever they want to. We'll just go right on rejoicing into the paradise of God because our master said great is our reward in heaven. You sisters, you say, oh, I've never done nothing for the Lord. Stop that. You should never let that lie come out of your mouth again. And I do say lie. If you are living this word, the Lord Jesus said, if you are persecuted for righteousness, say great is your reward in heaven. You're looking at casting out devils or preaching or this or that or the other. There is another aspect of a great reward. And that is when you live your life by the word and you're persecuted because of it. This is the value it has to Jesus Christ. Let's be honest and face the facts. 
our sisters in this message bear much more reproach for dress than men do. You occasionally see men around here in skirts. I've seen a few of them. I mean, they do have green hair sometimes and they got tattoos all over their body and all that sort of thing. But for the most part, you just see men with shirts and jeans. Shirt and jeans, shirt and jeans, shirt and jeans, shirt and jeans. Look, look at all these guys here in the front. So our sisters bear a great reproach. Let me just tell you, sisters, you've got a great reward. Every woman that laughs at you and turns up her nose at you, you just keep in mind, my brother Donnie, I've never even led anybody to the Lord. Jesus ain't talking about soul winning. What's hot in your head? I've been noticing that the last couple of months. It's been hot in a firecracker in here. Rejoice! Be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they, the prophets. You mean a New Testament sister, a New Testament brother, which is not even a preacher, will be given a great reward and Jesus puts you up into a spot like this as they persecuted the prophets of the old. Now they're persecuting you. You see, the purpose of the church at Thessalonica suffering, the purpose of the church here that Jesus is referring to is that the glory of God might be made manifest through their manifold trials. They bore all this anxiety and hardship the cause of the Lord Jesus. Now remember, they were not busy bodies. They were not meddling in other people's matters and then being persecuted because of it. There ain't no reward for long tongues. Us message folks are scared to death of the unknown tongue. It's that known one I'm scared to death of. It's caused me a whole lot more problems in this church as being the pastor than people speaking in unknown tongues. Woo, Glory. Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which ye also suffer. You have such a character that Satan can't stand you. Praise God. Chapter 1, verse 6, seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. I feel sorry for those who persecute this bride. I feel sorry for those who've said in this church and other churches around the message who now have joined this anti-God, anti-Christ, blasphemous move against the message of the hour. I feel sorry for them because it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them people. And many of them have crossed the line. They'll never be back. 
No, they'll never be back. Think of this thing. It is a righteous thing with God. How can God look at this and declare it righteousness? If you persecute my people, I consider it an act of righteousness to send tribulation to you. Praise be to God. The white throne judgment will be so just. People will stand there and you and I will have to stand there and be a witness against them and watch them turn and God say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. And we will stand there in the witness box as a witness against them and watch them depart down to the direction of hell. And God is righteous in doing so. Maybe they never blasphemed the Bible. Maybe they never blasphemed the cross. But they looked at you and laughed. They caused you trouble on your job. They caused you trouble in your family. Oh, just one thing after another. They gouged you and gouged you. Pity them, friends. Pity them. Don't take retribution in your own heart to try to get vengeance. Their day's coming. Oh my. Can I have a few more minutes? First Peter 4, 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Afflictions, trouble, heartache, now I realize to the soft, lax, loose, Laodicean age, if troubles come, oh my goodness, what's wrong? What's wrong? I, I go to the Smiley Preacher's Church. Everybody's supposed to be smiling. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes at the Day of Judgment. Peter said, don't think it's strange. Think it common. I'm a a Christian. I'm getting sick. So, what's being a Christian got to do with you not getting sick? I must have missed that. And if thou shalt be a Christian, thou shalt not be sick anymore. What verse is that? I mean, I've been reading this Bible for a long time. I know I don't know every verse in the Bible, but I find it hard to believe that I would have missed that one. Somebody stand, please, and, and give me chapter and verse and book. Well, why do we think it's strange? We're humans. Our bodies are under the curse of sin, whether you like it or not. Now, you can get quiet on me if you want to. Your body has not yet been redeemed. Notice this. Peter was under this same strange anointing that Jesus said. In verse 13, he said, rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Rejoice. So in other words, here Peter is contrasting and said, be so far from being offended. So instead of being offended, you know how most of us do when we get offended. 
Now, in y'all's house, of course, it don't happen this way, but the husband say something to the wife or the wife say something to the husband. You okay? I'm fine. What's wrong? Nothing. You okay? Fine. I'm just glad we don't have a bunch of fine days like that, ain't you? What's wrong? Nothing. Did I say something? No. Now, I understand y'all don't understand nothing about this, but I'll say it for me and Brother Burley's sake, you know, just, well, what's wrong? Nothing. After about 4,383 times, when you're getting ready to go to bed, then they tell you what it was. You think, why didn't you tell me that at 9 o'clock this morning? I could have at least made it right earlier in the day. Praise the Lord. How in the world did I get off on that? <laughs> so he said, now don't, don't be offended. Well, let's everybody worship the Lord. You know what people do, Brother Burley? They pout on God. I believe that's one of the most stupid things I ever heard in my life. People getting mad at God. I can understand getting mad at your car. I can understand getting mad at your cool down. I can get understand getting mad at your cat if you got one. I can understand getting mad at a lot of things. It makes no sense to me at all. Getting mad, getting offended, getting all bent out of shape at God. He's the only one that's got this thing all together. He's the only one that you can trust. He's the only one that knows how to make this thing work. What in the world are you doing getting mad at God? So people won't worship him. Don't you love him? I'm trying to decide. Don't you appreciate him? I'm not sure. So they just pout. They pout on Wednesday night, pout on Saturday night, pout on Sunday morning. Oh, it done a lot of good, didn't it? Knocked you out of the service and probably throw that old devil off on somebody else standing around you. Now, come on, don't get quiet on me. Remember Brother Brennan pouting on God? Oh, you don't? Well, I'll tell you the story then. When the woman was in the hospital with the cancer and Brother Brandon went and prayed for her, she rededicated her life to God. Brother Brandon, you know we've been in and out and up down here at the tabernacle and all this. Uh, I led her, led her to God, led her husband to God, led her mother back to God. Praise the Lord. My, you're talking about a time, all of them coming back to God, or oh, just having a time. And the doctor went in there, performed the surgery. He said, Mama, I'm going home. He said, that's right, sweetheart. You and hubby's going home in a few days. You're going to give your life to God. Consecrate. No, Mama, I'm, I'm going to my real home. No, honey. Uh, no, 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 no. Just in a matter of hours, the woman was gone. Brother Branham was gone. Come back in. Sister Media said he passed, she, she passed away. Brother Branham went to God and said, God, you owe me an understanding. Ah, oh, he said, when I said that, it was like heaven's door shut in my face. Oh, he said, he owes me nothing. He let me sit around and pout for a few days. Oh, my goodness, Malachi 4 pouted. Well, I'd say you pout without being Malachi 4 if you'll just be plumb honest. Then the Lord come to him and said, go to her mother and ask her this on a picnic. And she fell into a, a, a creek or a pond of water or something like that. It was her time to go then, but she wasn't ready. Oh, he got her ready in the hospital and he took her while she was ready. And then he said, if I'd have had the right attitude, he would have told me that. But Brother Branham, well, I'm sorry, children. I know it hurts you. But come on, let's face the facts. Brother Branham was a man. And he pouted on God. But Peter said, don't do that. Don't think it's strange. But actually, 
Rejoice. Praise God, brother. I've seen you shouting tonight in church. Yeah, hallelujah. Did you get a raise? No, I got fired today from my job. Praise be to God. Was it a bad job? No, it's actually the best job I've ever had. Praise God. But I know somehow God's going to work it out. Now, come on, let's be honest. If people like that way in our church, we'd all identify them as a nut. We'd think there's something strange. Oh, brother and sister, I've seen you rejoicing tonight in church. Are you okay? No, I'm not. Actually, I've got influenza. I've got gout. I've got this and that and the other. Now, what was you rejoicing about? Because I know this is nothing but an opportunity for a miracle. And I'm going to go ahead and praise him for it before it ever gets you. Praise God. I'm just going ahead and rejoice like right now like it's already done. What kind of church would we have? But we come dragging in. I made it, God. I hope Brother Donnie's got a good I hope Brother Louie don't get up there and start that clap your hand stuff. If he knowed what I've been through, I feel like wringing his jaw sometimes instead of clapping my hands. Praise the Lord. But Peter says, rejoice. Inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering. So instead of being offended, pouting, you just say, praise God. I don't know how you're going to do this, God. I'm two months late on my house. If I don't have $500 by the end of the week, they're going to come get my car. Lord, I, I don't know how in the world you're going to do this, but you're a God of supernatural. Look, friends, I've seen the little sister in India who a few years ago in the time of famine with her little widow, widow's meal barrel. Lord, you say, God, don't do that. God still does it if we can believe him. But us Americans are so softened and so watered down. Come on. Amen. Oh, what kind of people ought we to be? I'm waiting on God to do something. Maybe God's waiting on you to do something. God said, why don't you praise me before I even do it? Why don't you just go ahead and bless my name? Just go ahead and act like your father Abraham and say, Sarah, go get the bird eye. Go get the booties. We're having this baby. Praise God. Go ahead and start paying payments at the doctor. Go ahead and start paying payments at the hospital. We're having this baby. Glory to God. How many children you got? I ain't got none yet. But we paid the last payment on the ER payment yesterday. Glory to God! Abraham, careful, careful. Hallelujah! We understand who's going to have that baby. Thank you, Jesus. And his family look at him like some of y'all look at the men. Say, He's a good man. You just have to tolerate him. <laughs> But I'd like to know what they thought. 
that morning when they saw this young man walk out that tent door which walked in that tent door the night before a hundred years old and walked out looking like a young man the next day <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah why he went ahead and praised God before the promise ever arrived Brother Donnie, I'm going through such hard times. And look, friends, I'm not trying to belittle what you're going through. But let's change our setting. We're not in Happy Valley, April 2019. We're back in the first century, in a first century church. Just day before yesterday, a sister in our church by the name of Symphrosa, Sister Symphrosa. She had seven boys. The Romans come and got all seven. Cut the oldest one's head off. Started removing the necks to the oldest, pulling their fingers and toes off while they're screaming, hollering. Comes down to all seven. And your sister Symphrosa standing there watching her boys be mutilated and murdered. Yet sister Symphrosa goes to church, the next church service. What are you going to say to her? What are you going to say to her to try to encourage her? Are you going to say anything at all? He said, I don't know what to say. Sister Symphrosa kept right on serving God and served Him until she died. Did she understand? Probably not. Did it make sense? Probably not. But she kept on praising Him. Kept on blessing His name. Wonder how many people were blessed by that silent testimony. Some of you will never stand behind this pulpit. You'll never get up here. You'll never stand up here and give a testimony. You'll never stand up and sing a song behind here. But yet your life has been a blessing to others. Because they hear, they know things you're going through, and they think, look at him. He comes right on to church. Look at her. She come right on to church. She's got this affliction in her body. She's been through this and that and the other. Look at this. He's been diagnosed with this or that. Look at him. Worshiping God. Praising God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. How many times has Brother Eugene Kennedy come right here to church? Oh, you didn't see him? Because he was sitting out there in the parking lot in his vehicle. With his radio turned on. Without enough strength to even come up the steps and sit down in the pew. But if he could just come on the parking lot. And sometimes have to go before I'm even done preaching. 
but he wants to let the Lord and let the devil know whose side he's on. How many of you has Brother Eugene Kennedy been a blessing to? Let's let him hear it tonight, shall we? Fourteen years going through this, been through this doctor, this specialist, this one, that one, the other, all kinds of great men of God pray for him. The same night that I prayed for him not long ago, God done a miracle on the person standing right by him. The very same night. Sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no, sometimes God says wait a while. But what do you do? You keep on going. Don't you love the Lord Jesus, saints? How many wants to be faithful in your tribulations? Oh, God. Let's bow our heads together, if you would. I mean, like just to remember before the Lord tonight, Lord, give me strength, give me courage. Help me, Lord, to be faithful in my tests, my trials. Amen. Lord Jesus, I know these are not great, deep mysteries that we will all ooh and all about. But Father, I think it's things that we can take home with us and ponder and apply to our lives. We're living in a great discouraging time, Father. We know the Word of God tells us in the last days there'd be a falling away, and truly we've seen that for many years. And yet, Lord, we know that it's a time of pressure. It's a time of depression. It's a time of sickness. And Lord, one thing after another after another seems. But yet, Lord Jesus, there's still hope and courage and faith in your promises. I pray for the saints of God tonight, Lord. Those in the visible audience, those that have streamed, Lord, may you minister to everyone. We desire revelation, Lord. We do not in any means, by any means, want to belittle the value of revelation. Oh, we love it. We need it. Lord, I believe this is one thing we need tonight, the revelation of these very things we've heard. Instead of feeling sorry for ourselves or getting offended at you and hurt at you, Lord, if we could see it the right way and rejoice. Praise God. And know that our tribulation is working our patience. It's exercising it. Patience, experience, experience, hope. The tribulum is working over and separating our chaff from our wheat. Help us, Lord God. While that's going on, not to be discouraged. Not to become faint-hearted and become a coward and just say, well, I just don't think I can do it anymore. But may we rejoice. Praise God. May we say as Job so many years ago, the Lord give and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
Thank you, Father. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. Even if it's just my intellectual face tonight, Father, we're going to say it. Thank you for the tests and the trials that come our way, Lord. For many of them, we look and see on the other side how we've become better people. You don't always show us on this side, Lord. But it's on the other side. After we've come through it, we can see it. Thank you, Lord. Oh, no doubt the early church, how could we ever explain a loving, merciful God loving his children would allow Nero and his servants to wrap up Holy Ghost-filled Christians in a form of burlap or sheepskins, totally wrap their bodies and either dip or pour tar, pitch, on their bodies and put them out in Nero's garden after dark along his pass. And they would set them on fire and let them be human torches as Nero would take an evening stroll to his garden looking at his flowers and his plants. Our brothers and sisters screaming and dying in pain and agony as a human torch. How could we understand such without a revelation from God? Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We need you tonight, Father. Forgive us for our complaining, Lord. Forgive us for our grumbling. Help us, Lord, to do as you did according to the book of Hebrews, as you bore the shame. You bore the cross, which is a curse to be hanged upon a tree, but to be hanged naked. What a shame. Not only to become a sinner, but to be a serpent on a pole. You and the type allowed yourself that representation as a snake on a pole. Oh, Lord God, help us, Lord Jesus. When we are persecuted for your name, for your word, for your truth. May we do as the disciples did when they were beaten for the cause of Christ. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to be beaten for the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you tonight, Lord, with all of our hearts. We raise our hands in your presence, Lord God. Thank you that we can be called Christians. We know, Lord, it was a byword. It was introduced actually not as a word, an adjective to describe Christianity. But they were first called Christians at Antioch. But it was, they were not called Christians in a form of a true identification. But in the Greek word, Christianos, Christianos, but it was a byword, slang. They did not make complimentary. Today in America, for the most part, it's not, a, it's not really a negative thing to be called a Christian. 
But in that day, to be termed a Christian, Christianos, it was like being a murderer, like being a thief, a robber. But they bore that name proudly. Christianos. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. I'm so glad to be a Christian tonight, Lord. Not a denominational dollar store copy, but a genuine article. Filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, heading to heaven. Praise be to God. I'm not a big lots reproduction. I'm an original production from the upper room. Praise the Lord Jesus. We worship you tonight, Lord. Aren't you glad you're a real Christian tonight? Aren't you happy to be called a child of God? A Christian. Oh, let the world laugh. Let them make fun. Let them call us Branhamites. Let them call us whatever they want to call us. But after a while, they'll call us and they can call me gone. Because we're going to be leaving this whole world. Praise be to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Can we just keep our hands up for just, just a few moments, if you would? Harry, let's sing something. Let's just worship him now. Maybe you're so burdened tonight. You're going through so much, and you, you feel like your hands are just so weary and so tired, you can't even keep them up. Why don't you just in sacrifice? Keep them hands up there to the Lord Jesus. Just worship him like you would if this tremendous trial was already passed. Just worship him as if though the victory was right there before you tonight. Because you never know, it might happen within the next five minutes. Who knows? You could praise yourself right out of this valley, right up that mountaintop. Praise be to God. Let your praise be the water on the seed. Now the outcome may not be what you think and it may not even be what you want. But if the outcome is according to the will of God, it will be for your good. He tells us that. So go ahead and praise Him for it. Oh, glory to God. Glory. In prisoner's chains With bleeding stride All inside, let's pray that night, and in their pain, began to see their chains were loose. And they 
Lord, she sees that she's hurt her back, Lord. Lord God, when you was upon the earth in human form, they led you up to that whipping post. You knew what you were faced with. Must have been horrendous, oh God, as they took that cat of nine tails and beat you, Lord. They whipped you in your back so our sister Sims could be healed in her back. Father, in the name of Jesus, may you touch her tonight, God. Lord, may you strengthen her. May you help her, Father. We agree together tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Falling in love 
dead in his loving arms never disconnected no in his arms I feel protected there's no place I'd rather rather be oh yes falling in so good to be together tonight in the presence of God. Lord willing, let's come back this weekend and see what the Lord has for us. I believe he has some good things. Remember next Wednesday night to be no service because the bus will be here loading up with the uh, young people and the adults that will be going heading to camp. So remember that next Wednesday night. Be sure and pray for the meetings. I'm sure you already are, but pray for Brother Andrew Glover and myself. I'm preaching Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Brother Andrew, Friday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning. We're just believing the Lord for some wonderful, wonderful times. Life-changing services. Amen. So just keep this on your heart if you would. God bless you. Let's just bow our heads together. Father, thank you for your grace to us tonight, Lord. So appreciate church on Wednesday night. Been able to come together, Lord. Oh, how we love it. We ask you, God, you would just watch over your people now. Thank you for Brother Burley coming by to visit with us tonight, Lord. Always so nice to see our brother. Ask you to watch over him, Lord. Bless him, his work, his church. Be with him, Father, we pray. Bring us back, Father, if it would be pleasing to you again this weekend. We just look for greater portions from you, Lord, according to your will. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. God bless you, saints. Go in the fear of God. Oh, fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Was the best thing I've ever, 
ever done In his arms I feel protected In his arms never disconnected No, in his arms I feel protected There's no I'd rather, rather be falling in love with Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, oh, falling in love with Jesus was the best Falling 